Good evening. It is great to, uh, <clears throat> great to be with you all uh, tonight. I am from uh, Pikeville, Kentucky. It's where I reside now. Uh, if you make enough wrong turns, you can find it. Over in, over in Kentucky there, uh, I'm originally from uh, Johnson County, which is really about 40 minutes north on US 23, from Pikeville on up to uh, between Paintsville and Prestonsburg. And my mom and dad uh, continue to run. They have my whole life, uh, and they have since the 70s. Uh, they run a little grocery store called Davis Produce. And my dad has hauled uh, uh, tractor and trailer loads of produce. They really do a lot of wholesale and retail both. Uh, but uh, he's hauled produce off the farmer's market in Asheville, North Carolina, for over 40 years. And uh, so if you're ever over that way, you see Davis Produce. Uh, I'm the tallest man in my family. My dad's a little guy, and uh, and I got two brothers also and, and a sister. Uh, but uh, but anyway, if you if you see him over there, if you're ever over there and can talk to him, I'm sure he appreciate it. When I was in the high school, I, at, at the store, see we lived on top of the store. Literally, there were some apartments. We lived on top of the store, and uh, I think mom and dad had kids, so they put us to work. I don't. Know. It sure didn't hurt us none. Uh, I think that's a good thing. It's, it's the second greatest thing you can teach your kids first. Teach them about the Lord. Secondly, teach them to work because uh, we got to work. Uh, but they're above the stores where we lived and was always downstairs working in the store from the time he was big enough to help you be carrying stuff out for people or whatever. And uh, I, when I got my license, got in high school, I was able to uh, go deliver produce, grocery stores and things. And uh, I even got, if I got to go to Asheville to get stuff, man, I was in the big leagues. I mean, they called me up. I go by myself, you know, and uh, all the way to Asheville, which for us at the time, uh, the 2023 20, wasn't done. From, uh, from Johnson City, you know, we had to come across an old road. And you all know, if you remember, that was a hairy little stretch of road. And uh, so, uh, yes, yeah, it's a little over four hours at that time because of the road. But, uh, man, that was something. That was something. I, was, I was really on high cotton when I, was, uh, when I got to go to the farmer's market in Asheville. So I want to share that with you. Uh, truly a blessing to be here again uh, from Kentucky. That's my background with my family. I'm able to serve since... Uh, since January of this year, I've been serving at the East Point Church of Christ, which is in Johnson County. If you're ever uh, north on 23, uh, from right here with the road being done, about four hours. If you're ever up that way, drop by and see us. We'd love to have you. Um, it's always a blessing when my wife, uh, Stephanie, can come. And uh, our boys, you can call them Silas, Deacon, and Abram. That is their names. Uh, nine, six, and three. That's their age. Or If the Lord allows, Abram will be three this month. So he's real close. You can call them Silas, Deacon, and Abram. You can call them Huey, Dewey, and Louie. But as they get older, I'm starting to call them uh, <clears throat> Don't, Stop, and Quit. Yeah. That's because when we're driving down the road, he's like, Don't, don't do it, stop it, quit. <clears throat> so uh, very, I love them very much, thankful for them, and uh, it's always a blessing when they can travel. Uh, what Frank has told you about the winter workshop is truly a blessing. And I know from here, uh, the way you all would travel, imagine on Interstate 40, pretty, pretty close, a couple hours. Uh, truly, the, the, wor the workshop is called Barnabas Ministry. And from Acts chapter 4, um, there was a man whose name was Joseph, but they called him Barnabas because Barnabas means son of encouragement. The entire workshop is about encouraging you to, to serve Christ and to grow in your faith. And it's, that's the theme every year is encouragement. And for that reason, it's just a great environment. Uh, 
You're surrounded by Christians, love the Lord, six, seven hundred people in the conference, and you'll be truly blessed if you can go to it. It is the week of, uh, it's generally the week of uh, Valentine's Day. So take your sweetie, you get bonus points, brownie points, however you look at it, and you get the conference too. So uh, the hotel there at the Music Road Inn is really, really nice place, and uh, it's, it's a great facility, a great event. I do, uh, I do endorse that. <clears throat> I, I will have to pay Denny probably for that comment that he told you. Probably have to. I was paying for that. I'm just kidding. Uh, no more commercials. Tonight, I, I'm going to be in Acts chapter 2. I encourage you to turn there. We'll look tonight at the first 47 verses of Acts chapter 2. This is where uh, God chooses to start uh, His church. This is the start to the beginning. This is the creation uh, of the Lord's church. I'll talk a little bit more about that, I hope, later on. But it's of utmost importance. It's, it's so much more than just another book and just another chapter. Uh, this is where the Lord chooses to start His church. Acts chapter 2, I encourage you to follow along. I'll be in the New International Version, the 1984 model, where the Bible says this, beginning at verse 1, says, uh, When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now, there were staying in Jerusalem God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard them speaking in his own language. Utterly amazed, they asked, Are not all these men who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in his own native language? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, and Cappadocia, Pontus, Asia, Phrygia, and Pamphylia, Egypt, and parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs. We hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongue. Amazed and perplexed, they ask one another, What does this mean? Some, however, made fun of them and said, ha, 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 They have had too much wine. Then Peter stood up with the eleven, raised his voice and addressed the crowd. Fellow Jews, and all of you live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These men are not drunk, as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. No. This is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. I will show wonders in the heaven above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Men of Israel, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited by God to you. By miracles, wonders, and signs which God did among you through him, as you yourselves know. This man was handed over to you by God's set purpose and foreknowledge in you. With the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him to the cross. But God raised him from the dead. Freeing him from the agony of death because it was impossible for the death to keep its hold on him. David said about him. 
I saw the Lord always before me. Because he is at my right hand, I will not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad, my tongue rejoices. My body also will live in hope, because you will not abandon me to the grave, nor will you let your Holy One see decay. You have made known to me the paths of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence. Brothers, I can tell you confidently that the patriarch David died and was buried, and his tomb is here to this day. But he was a prophet and knew that God had promised him on oath that he would place one of his descendants on his throne. Seeing what was ahead, he spoke of the resurrection of the Christ. That he was not abandoned to the grave, nor did his body see the cave. God has raised this Jesus to life. And we are all witnesses of the fact. Exalted to the right hand of God, he has received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit. And has poured out what you now see in here. For David did not ascend to heaven. Yet he said, the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. Therefore, let all of Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. When the people heard this, they were cut to their hearts and said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? Peter replied, Repent. And be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. With many other words, he warned them and he pleaded with them, Save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Those who accepted his message were baptized. And about 3,000 were added to their number that day. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe, and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. Selling their possessions and goods, they gave to anyone as he had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we're most thankful for Jesus Christ, your Son, and for your love. You so loved the world, you gave us your Son. Thank you, Father, for your church, the privilege. Uh, to, for us to be part of it because your grace is sufficient. Father, thank you above every blessing for Jesus. Thank you for your church that started in Acts chapter 2 that continues into this room tonight. I pray, Father, that you'll grow your church because the increase, no matter who plants or who waters, the increase belongs to you. I pray that we'll be your hands and feet faithful to serve you and let your light shine in our lives for your glory. I pray you'll be pleased and glorified through the presentation of your word. Again, ask you, Father, to grow your church. Maybe we'll see our number increase. And maybe just uh, through this weekend, maybe it'll just be decisions people choose to grow um, more faithful in Bible study, in fellowship with the church, in service in the kingdom. Father, grow our faith. Increase us for your glory. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> Here in Acts chapter 2, 
We're going to talk first off, um, we're going to talk about chains. You say, brother, now hold on a second. We're in this Acts chapter 2, 47 verses. Where exactly do you see chains at? Well, uh, for starters, you've got to realize here that when Jesus came, you've got four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, four Gospels, 89 chapters, and you've got to realize that Jesus had promised to build his church. That's Matthew chapter 16, verse 18. That's where it's at. Jesus said to Peter on the confession that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, upon this rock I'll build my church. I will build my church, Matthew 16, verse 18. So when you see here in Acts chapter 2, this is a, this is a change. This is something brand new. You've got to realize, man, when Jesus ascended to heaven in Acts chapter 1, how many Christians were there? Starts with Z and ends with Ero. Zero. There wasn't none. I mean, there are no Christians until Acts chapter 2 when people obey the gospel of Jesus. So we got to, so many times, you know, people, I see churches named after it, and uh, uh, I've seen t-shirts and say, you, you know, go and sin no more, your faith has healed you. And, and Jesus did say that. It's beautiful, it's powerful, it's the word of God. But we cannot ignore the fact that the church belongs to Christ Jesus. It's his body, his bride, and his household. And it is necessary. It's God's plan to save the world as a church. So, in Acts chapter 2, man, this is brand new. This is change. And, and when you think about here, in Acts chapter 2, this is a Jewish festival. It's seven weeks from Pentecost. Uh, it was ordained by the law of Moses. Um, what, what they have here, the celebration, counting weeks from Passover. Uh, this was a Jewish festival. How many people, let me ask you a question. How many people in Acts chapter 2 assembled in Jerusalem? By the way, Pentecost is always on Sunday. We know it's Sunday, first day of the week, the day Jesus came out of the tomb. How many people assembled in Jerusalem on that Sunday? How many people assembled there to hear a sermon preached? None. Starts with Z and with Ero. None. None. You see, this is something brand new. The Jewish people didn't listen to sermons. They didn't come to assemble for sermons on Sundays. It's brand new. Moreover, there, there were a, the, the sound like the blowing of a violent wind. Now back in the mountains of hillbilly country up in eastern Kentucky, we just call that audio effects. A sound like the blowing of a violent wind. It's God doing it. It's God's audio effect. And then there were cloven tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of the apostles there. Um, back in the mountains, we just call that visual effects. Now, that, that really is, for a lot of us, that, you know, that's a challenging type thing. Because I, I know I, I come from a small congregation and things like that, and I was raised in a small congregation. And, you know, uh, when somebody sometimes, they, they have an idea, some about change, we're going to do something different. That's just scary, man. Because I'm like you, you like me, changes something we don't like. I'm going to tell you a true, true story. This is actual factual thing. It's what happened. My mom and dad in the house there, the apartment above the store, we had a, uh, we had a couch. And that couch was straight from 1972 probably. Maybe earlier than that. It was rust. It was kind of gray with rust-colored colored flowers on it. Um. But that, I was born in 1982, man. That was my couch. 
And by the time I was in high school in the 90s, my mother, she had the audacity that she said to me, she said one day, she said, uh, I think I'm going to get a new couch. And I about flipped out. I was like, a new couch? This one's not broke. And I said to my mother, I just, true story, I'm not joking, y'all. I said to her, I said, when, when, when I have kids one day, I want them to come here and sit on this couch. <laughs> you, you know, I said it wasn't broke, but when you sit down on it, your tail would pretty well go to the floor. I mean, it was broke in, man. And it's one of them fold-out beds. I don't know how we had company for 30 years. There. They all slept on the couch in the, the couch bed. And, uh, I mean, it wasn't broke, but you had to have help getting up. You know what I'm saying? And, and what did my mother do? I mean, when I say, you know, I had words with her, it was all polite, man, because my mama wore me out. That's the, way, that's the way it worked at home. So it was all polite and things, but she said she's going to get a new couch. So what happened? She got a new couch. Praise the Lord. Some, sometimes, man, you just need a new couch. And when, when it comes into the church, you know, and somebody will say, well, we ought to do something different. And, and what if somebody's talking about audio effects or visual effects? Oh, what if they are? I, I know churches, and there's all kinds of ideas. I know a church uh, in, in eastern North Carolina, over around uh, Greenville, where, where they have every year, they have a community day. And that church from, from, in the last 10 years, they've grown from about 30 to, I think they're pushing 500. And almost automatically, a lot of people would say, they must be getting liberal. But I've been there. I was there uh, one day, they had two baptisms. And when they came forward, man, they, they preached baptism, plan of salvation just as hard as I've ever heard preached. Um, they're doing great work. But one of the things they do is, is they, every year they have this community day. They have hot dogs, free hot dogs. They have uh, inflatable slides. They have stuff, all kinds of games and gimmicks. And I know some folks, you know, faithful old saints that would be quick to point out, man, what you win them with is what you win them to. True, a lot, lot of truth in that, a lot of wisdom in that. But here's my question. If we can sucker them in with a free hot dog to get them to come to the building so that we can share the message of Jesus Christ with them, get her done. You know what I'm saying? You're, a hot dog's not going to win anybody's soul. The Only the message of Christ is going to win anybody's soul. we got to stay in the... The message never changes. Jude, verse 3 says, Let us, I wrote to you that you would earnestly contend for the faith once delivered to the saints. I mean, the faith is never going to change. We've got to stand firm in the faith. We're not backing down. We're not changing. It's the Word of God. Jesus Christ, Hebrews 13, verse 8, is the same yesterday, today, and forever. But methods can change. And you know, when it comes to that in the church, we've got to realize the church started with change. Nobody assembled in Acts chapter 2 to hear a sermon preached. They heard a message preached, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, I hope to talk about in a few minutes. It was a brand new message that the world had never heard. It was brand new. It was changed. It was the whole thing. Audio effects, visual effects, the sound of a blowing wind, cloven tongues of fire. It was all different. It was all new. It was all changed. And sometimes I think we just need to be reminded of what the Bible says. I want you to think, man, sometime, just a few years ago now, in consideration, I mean, Jesus came out of the tomb 2,000 years ago. But just a few years ago, somebody would have stood up for the very first time, and, and maybe they said, uh, they said this, said, uh, I'm going to sing a brand new song. I just heard it, brand new song. 
Amazing grace, how sweet the sound. I don't do solos, y'all. My wife sing for you, I ain't going to do it. But I do want to make the point. At some point, one day, Amazing Grace was a brand new song. And some charismatic soul had the courage to sing it. She said, or he or she said, I'm going to sing a new song. And 72 people got up and left. That could happen in some places, you know, it could. Uh, but right now, Amazing Grace is probably the most well-known Christian song that the world knows. But one day it was brand new. And I just want, I just want to challenge you. that The message never changes. Stand firm on the truth. Speak the truth. Ephesians 4 verse 15. Speak it in love. But methods can change. I present that idea to you, Acts chapter 2. Moreover, going on from change in Acts chapter 2, we'll talk for a minute about the, about the church. You see, when you open up your Bible and you turn to the book of Acts, and what you have there in the New Testament, Matthew's the first gospel, then Mark, then Luke, then John, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, then Acts. The Acts of the Apostles, it's actually written by Luke, who wrote the gospel of Luke, that's his two books, the gospel of Luke and the book of Acts. But it is where these men who received the gospel message that Jesus delivered of new life and they take his death, burial, and resurrection and they start to preach it around the world. The book of Acts is a powerful book. So many ways. And the New Testament church is what we We just want to be a continuation of what right there in, that new, in the New Testament. That New Testament church, what people did then is what we're going to do. Why? Because it's the word of God. You agree with that, do you? Head like this right here. Amen. Uh, th this is so big, it's, it's again monumental. It's Matthew 16, Jesus said, I will build my church more than that. It's Genesis 22, uh, verse 18, where God said to Abraham, through your, through your offspring, all nations on earth will be blessed. Because that was not fulfilled except by and through and in Jesus Christ. It's what the prophet said. Isaiah said it in chapter 9, verse 6 and 7, To us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his descendants, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. Isaiah 9, verse 6 and 7. Uh, Jeremiah 23, verse 5 says... Uh, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will raise up to David a righteous branch, a king, who will reign wisely and do what is just and right in the land. Daniel 2, the prophet, Daniel said, he interpreted a dream, Daniel 2, verse 44, and he describes Nebuchadnezzar's dream, and he says, in the time of that fourth kingdom. And as you study the dream and you study world history, it's clear that the fourth kingdom was the Roman Empire. Daniel 2, 44, in the time of that fourth kingdom, the prophet says, God in heaven will establish a kingdom that will never be destroyed. It itself will endure forever. And if that's not the church, y'all, what could it be? You see, the church, the kingdom, the king, Christ, every nation on earth, this is the fulfillment of the ages. It's not just the message of Jesus, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. It's back to Genesis. Chapter 3, verse 15, where God said to Satan, I will put enmity between you and the woman, between your offspring and her." offspring the virgin birth is first predicted in genesis 3 and verse 15 the offspring of woman you will strike his heel and he will crush your head you see this is a fulfillment of the ages it's the church that's why when jesus comes on the scene in luke 1 
The angel Gabriel says to Mary, says, uh, He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. His kingdom, Luke 1 verse 33, the angel says his kingdom will never end. You could put a footnote in your Bible right there. And that footnote might just say, uh, you put down at the bottom of the page and it'd say, uh, Boom, shakalaka. His kingdom will never end. Man, that's a, that should give you chill bumps in the back of your neck. Christian, you're in the kingdom. In, in 1 Timothy 3, verse 15, it says the church of the firstborn is the household of God, the family of God. In uh, Revelation chapter 19, verse 7, it says uh, the wedding of the Lamb has come and His bride, that's the church, has made herself ready. We're the household of God. We're the bride of Christ. In Colossians 1, verse 18, it talks about uh, Christ being the head over everything, which is His body. So we are in the church, the body of Christ, the bride of Christ, the household of God. We're part of the kingdom that started in Acts chapter 2 at Pentecost, continues into this room and it never end. The gates of hell never prevail against the church. Now I've got to share something with you. At East Point, uh, for about 10 years, uh, it was almost exactly 10 years, that I was able to help as associate minister. When Stephanie and I got married, she didn't know she was marrying a preacher. I didn't know she was marrying a preacher. After we got married, uh, my home congregation, my minister came down with pneumonia. He was an older man. He was in his 80s. He came down with pneumonia, and the elders came to me, and they said, Aaron, would you preach? And I thought to myself, you know, I really don't want to do it, but I could probably do it if I had to. And I, so I, I felt guilty, and I said, you know, yeah, I'll, I'll do it for you. <clears throat> and I said to myself, I remember this distinctly, I said, if I do this once or twice, I'll never have to do it again. <laughs> a man's plans are many, but it's the Lord's purpose that prevails. And what, what, that's been almost 13 years ago now. What happened to me is uh, I really became convicted. I was born and raised in the church, but I just hadn't taken it serious like I should. And I became convicted, man, that uh, if it's, it's my job, my responsibility to tell somebody else what this book says, then I better find out what this book says. And I started studying, studying hard. And the more I studied about it, the more passionate I became about it. And I'm going to tell you, i got no plans of quitting. You know, uh, angels have never been permitted to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. He's leaving it up to us. A men and women to spread the message of Christ. And for men to serve in the ministry and preach the gospel of Jesus. Man, we're going to keep on preaching it. Because it's the word of God until the Lord returns, till we die, whichever happens first. So to be in the church is a tremendous, tremendous blessing. The body of Christ, the bride of Christ, the household of God. About 10 years ago, I started serving as the associate minister, a technical title, because our minister actually, um, he recovered from pneumonia, and, and he started preaching then. He let me preach like once a month or so. But I eventually gained the title of assistant minister. And also, I got to preach as assistant minister at the uh, Cole Run Church of Christ, which is Stephanie's home church. So uh, the churches are located about 35 miles apart on US 23. And generally, I would preach at one, one, uh, one of the congregations in the morning and one, a different one in the evening. And then I would travel and hold revivals. I did that for 10 years. I was assistant for 10 years, two different places. And since January, I've been at East Point full-time. In that, I'm no, longer, I'm no longer at Cobra. I still hold revivals. Um, so anyway, that, that's, that's where I'm at. I want to share that with you. But I'm telling you because, sharing all that because of this. 
since January 3rd of this year, we've been working on one verse at East Point. Uh, a verse that we're really, we've worked on, we kind of mastered it, but I'm going to share it with you. Now at East Point, back home, we're, we're old-fashioned. And we believe that when the Bible says something, we ought to do it. Now, the verse that we've been studying on is, is Psalm, uh, Psalm 100, verse 1. And notice, if the Bible says that we've got to do it, now this is what it says. It says, uh, shout for joy to the Lord all the earth. <laughs> so you got some East Pointers back here. But the Bible says that, and that's for all of us. Now, what I've just told you guys, uh, the church, 1 Timothy 3, 15, we're the, we're the household of God. Revelation 19, 7, we're the bride of Christ. In Colossians 1, verse 18, among other places, we are defined as the body of Christ. We're part of the kingdom. The gates of hell will never prevail against. Now, I want to remind you, the Bible says, shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Woo! Hey, brother, you can't shout in here, this church of Christ. I want, I want to, we, we've got the real McCoy. You know, some people claim to have it, and they've got a lot of false doctrine mixed in, but we got the real McCoy. And in Galatians 5, verse 22, the second fruit of the Spirit is mentioned, the Holy Spirit of God, after love was mentioned, the second one was joy. And if you've got joy down in your heart, let your face know it. You know, sometimes, man, it's like, it's like in this church of Christ, uh, Man, we, we, we can't have joy in here. Somebody will think we're charismatic. Oh, son, we be plan of salvation, repent, confess, be baptized, and pickle juice. No. Well, we're saved from sin. We're going to heaven. God's grace is sufficient. We got a lot to be joyful about. Hey, ba bad things happen. Car wrecks happen. Cancer happens. Everybody in this room, I imagine, has lost somebody they love dearly. It hurts, there's separation, there's, there's bad things happen, companies shut down, jobs leave town. I mean, kids misbehave, there's problems in marriages. I mean, this world's full of problems. But in Jesus Christ, we got the victory. We're closer to heaven right now than we were when this sermon started. Woo! We got to get our joy back. And I hope, to, I hope to just focus on that a little bit this weekend. We're part of the church. Change is okay. Message stays the same. Methods can change. Change is real. Starts in Acts chapter 2 and continues still today. We're part of the church. Starts in Acts chapter 2. It's what we're part of. And lastly, I want to focus just for a minute on what Peter preached here at Pentecost. It's called, it's called the gospel. Gospel, by definition, means good news. Now, in Mark 16, verse 15, depending on the version you have, uh, Jesus said in what's called the Great Commission, He said, uh, go and preach the gospel. Some versions say gospel. Other versions will say, go and preach the good news. Now they could say gospel, could say good news, because the word gospel means good news. That's why. But He said, go preach the good news, the gospel, to every creature. Mark 16, verse 16, said, Jesus said, He who believes and is baptized will be saved. He who believes not will be condemned. Um, Peter preached at Pentecost. When he said, as I, twice there, God raised him from the dead. He said, death could not hold him. See, Peter preaches the very first time that Jesus Christ, whom they had crucified just seven weeks earlier, he's raised from the dead. He's ascended to the right hand of God. He's the Messiah. 
The good news is the death, burial, and Jesus, a resurrection of Jesus is what you can be joined in. The climax of this sermon is Acts 2, verse 36, where Peter said, Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name. You see? And Peter said, Acts 2, 36, God exalted him to the highest place and made him both Lord and Christ. You see, these people heard the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. Now they realize he's the Messiah, the promised one. And they asked the question, Acts 2.37, men and brothers, what should we do? Peter told them. He told them what Jesus told Nicodemus in John chapter 3. Jesus said, you've got to be born again. And Nicodemus, the scholar of the Jewish people, one of the scholars that they had, he said, how can a man enter a second time into his mother's womb? And Jesus said to him, no, John 3, verse 5, unless you're born of the water and of the Spirit, you will not enter into the kingdom of God. The gospel message, born again, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, Peter preached at Pentecost, it's yours to claim. Repent. Which by definition means change your mind or heart. That's what the word means. Repent. And be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. You see, you're joined with Christ. Romans 6, verse 3, all of us were baptized into Christ, were baptized into his death. We were therefore buried with him through uh, baptism into death. In order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. You see, Jesus shed his blood in his, in his death. John 19, verse 34 says, they pierced his side and out came blood and water. He shed his blood and his death. And, and when you obey your own death, burial, and resurrection, you're lowered in the water. Just as you will be one day if the Lord tarries you, every one of us be lowered into a grave. The soul that sins shall surely die. We're all sinners. You'll be lowered into a grave if the Lord should tarry, but baptism is where you're lowered in this watery grave. You are united. Romans 6 verse 3, all of us were baptized into Christ. We're baptized into his death. Spiritually, at that moment of obedience, you contact the blood of Jesus Christ. It says we were buried with him through baptism into death. And just as Christ was raised from the, glory, through the, raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. Romans 6 verse 5 says, We were therefore planted with him through baptism into death. That's Romans 6, 4. Romans 6, Romans 6 verse 5 says, um, if you've been planted together in the likeness of his death, so will you be also in the likeness of his resurrection. You see, it's, a, it's his death, burial, and resurrection becomes ours. We're standing in his victory. And people sometimes, sometimes they'll say, man, this baptism thing, it's, it's a work. Y'all y'all, church Christ people, you teach that baptism stuff, and you, you teach you got to work. No, man, we do teach baptisms a work. God does all the work. In Colossians 2, Paul says, uh, that's the circumcision of the heart that Christ does. Where does it happen? Colossians 2, verse 11 and 12, the Bible tells you. It's a baptism. You see, you submit and obey God's word. That's why Acts 5, verse 32 says, we're witnesses of these things, and so is the Holy Spirit whom God has given to those who obey Him. We've got to obey. You see, accepting the gift is just obedience. 
Do you hear what Peter said in Acts 2 verse 40? He said, uh, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. And all these people, I agree with them, we can't save ourselves in that, you know, there's nothing we can do in and of ourselves to just achieve salvation. That's impossible. But because Christ has done it, because we're standing on the Word of God, you accept the free gift by obeying the Word of God. And that, death, burial, and resurrection, this gospel message and your own death, burial, and resurrection, that's good news. That reminds me of Psalm 100, verse 1. Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Woo! Man, I can't be the only one excited in here. Now, the Bible says it. I'm going to challenge you to do what the Bible says. Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Woo! Hey, this is real. This is ours. This is good news for us. Forgiveness of sins, the hope of heaven. This is for us. We can't let the world take it away. The devil's trying to steal our joy. And I, I believe the difference maybe between churches that do grow, churches that don't grow, maybe it's simple as this. It's joy. Nobody wants a free car if he has to push it. You can be saved from sin, you can be heaven bound, and you got to do this and this and this, and we have to go to church, and we have to read the Bible, and you have to go to prayer meeting, and you have to sing at the choir, and you have to give, and you have. If your faith is about what you have to do, won't you just do us all a favor and quit? God doesn't need your time or your money, God doesn't need uh, anything that you can give. But He allows you to serve. If you want new life, if you want meaning and hope and purpose, if you want to be heaven bound, God's given you the gift. And He allows you to serve if you so desire. The greatest commandment Jesus preached, first and greatest commandment, He preached it in Mark 12, verse 30. He preached it in Matthew 22, verse 37. It's love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And if we don't keep that first commandment, the greatest commandment, I just ask you, does it even matter if we keep any of the others? Uh, brother, I, I got, I've been baptized, man. What else you want from me, preacher? God wants your heart, your mind, your soul, and your strength. We're studying from a book where Jesus said, unless you love me more than you love your father or mother, you're not worthy to come follow me. Unless you love me more than you love your son or your daughter, you're not worthy to follow me. That's hard teaching. It was then, it is now. But Jesus said, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink His blood, you'll have no life in you. See, Jesus is, is demands that we be consumed by who He is and what He's done and the gift He's given us and all He's asking. He died for us so we can live in Him. He's just asking we love Him back. In John 14, verse 15, if you love me, keep my commands. And that's the way it works. In Acts chapter 2, you see change. Change is coming. I don't know what the next change is going to be. I know some people, I haven't seen any in this room, so I'm going to say this. I know some people who, who I love dearly who've been, uh, recently they've, they've been preaching against uh, skinny jeans. I'm going I'm to tell you all something. I don't like skinny jeans. I just don't like them. I'm old. I'm too old for skinny jeans. I don't like it. 
But at the same time, the, the in and of themselves, there's nothing wrong with skinny jeans, you know. So long as they're appropriate and they're not too tight and that kind of stuff. But uh, in and of themselves, there's nothing wrong with that. You know what? Things, change is coming. Right now, it may be skinny jeans. Tomorrow, it'll be something else. Change is coming. The gospel stays the same. We're going to stand firm. We're going to speak the truth in love. We're part of the church of the firstborn. It's not just an act, another book, another chapter. It's the fulfillment of the ages. It's Christ. It's His church. It's His kingdom. It's what we're part of. And what we have is the good news. And while there's going to be sermons about death and hell and sorrow and suffering, absolutely. At the same time, all of this is going to be cloaked in good news. Why? Because Jesus said, go and preach the good news to every creature. You know, if you want bad news, man, go home, turn on TV. Turn on the news, any channel you want to watch. NBC, ABC, CNN. If you want to go to heaven, it's Fox News. That's a joke. Sort of. I don't care which one you want. It don't matter which news channel you watch. You turn on the news, I'm going to tell you what's on there, man. It's bad news. Every channel. People are doing bad stuff, evil stuff, hating each other, shooting each other, killing each other, kidnapping. I mean, it's rape stuff. It's, it's, it's everywhere. Jesus said. He didn't say go and preach the bad news. He said go and preach the good news. And the good news amid a world that is truly, they're going to hell if we don't reach them with the gospel. In the world that's going to hell, we've still got this whole meaning and purpose that's only found in Christ. And he is victorious, and his tomb is empty, and he's at the right hand of God tonight. And what he's doing is patiently waiting for all of his children to come home. Jesus said in John 14, he was talking to his disciples, but can you hear what the Spirit says to the church? When Jesus told them in John 14, verse 3, he said, I go to prepare a place for you. God's waiting for his children to come home. And no matter how far of a distant country you've been off to, like the prodigal son in Luke 15, it don't matter what you've done. God's grace is bigger than all of our sin. Woo! God's grace is bigger. God's grace is greater. We're great sinners saved by the even greater grace of God. He's waiting for His children to come home. And in this room tonight, I don't know who here's obeyed the gospel and who hadn't. And, and who stumbled in sin, stumbled in sin, went into sin head first. I don't know what's going on in your life. But I do know we're going to have an opportunity, an invitation him, an invitation time. It, it's something that we strategically place at, at the end of a sermon, at the end of a service. But you've got to realize it actually comes from the throne of God. That he gives you the opportunity after the, the gospel of Christ is presented. You have an opportunity to respond. So as we all stand tonight as we sing, if you've never had an experience that on your own death, burial, and resurrection, tonight's tonight. Today is the day of salvation. You don't need to know anything else. You don't need to study anything else out. It's, it's faith so simple a child can believe and obey. You need to come. But if you want to study more, we'll be glad to do that with you. If you don't think you comprehend or you got questions, we'd love to talk with you about that. If you want to rededicate your life, if you have a decision, as we all stand, as we sing, won't you come?